continue to change us and make us closer to you, Lord. Uh, I pray uh, that you would, I pray that you would use me. That I wouldn't be so caught up in me that I lose sight of you. That I would listen and obey your word and and that you would speak to each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you know every detail about us. That you love us deeply. And know, um, yeah, so I ask that you would have your way this morning. That you would, uh, again, change us and shape us. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So, uh, good morning. <laughs> you look great. So, uh, as, uh, as we get ready, if you could turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, I'll be preaching. I'm going to continue my series through the Sermon on the Mount. And so, uh, so we'll just continue to go through that. Uh, and so here we go. So if, if you haven't been here since I've been talking about this, I took kind of a, a pause last week and talked about where we were going and, and saying that it was a pivotal moment for us as a, a congregation, as a family, as a church. And uh, that pivotal moment is to reach. I believe that God has for us, our word this year is reach together, that God wants to reach our community through us. And uh, so we're going to pray like it matters to us. We're going to invest in people around us, uh, and we're going to invite people around us like never before. And so as you prep, as you pray, um, as uh, I just ask that you just be sensitive to God and what he would say, and that you would uh, pray as if you were asking God for a miracle, which you are, by the way. <laughs> because if we look in Scripture, we see that, that anybody that does not have a relationship with God uh, scripture calls them dead, so we're praying that God would raise the dead. Scripture says that their the hearts are uh, made of stone, so we're praying that God would give them a heart of flesh. Scripture says that they're, that those that don't know Jesus yet are lost, and so we're praying that they would be found. Scripture says that they're deaf, so we're praying that they would ha have hearing. Uh, scripture says that they're blind, so we're asking God to give them sight. So when we uh, move forward, and in this process of moves, moving forward, uh, we are absolutely praying for the miraculous in each and every person's life that we know that doesn't know Jesus yet. And so uh, I just want to continue to encourage you <laughs> to, to lift up those people. I had a conversation with someone because uh, we have those little cards that say reach seven, and it's got my seven on there, the seven people that I'm going to pray for. And, uh, uh, and looking at that, and it just seems so overwhelming. Seven people. Do I know seven people that don't know Jesus yet? 
how am I going to do that? And that's the point. You're not. You're going to pray for them. And you're going to invite them. And you're going to invest in them. Uh, but uh, in the midst of that, I was talking to one person. And they're like, wow, seven people? That's a lot. I, and I, <laughs> I said, yeah, it is. <laughs> right? And, and then the next day, the same person came up to me and goes, you know, that seven was overwhelming, but I thought about it, I processed it, and I prayed over it, and I had 17. <laughs> so uh, they had to, they'll have to take more cards. Um, anyways, so the cards are, are there for you. Uh, as a has-been athlete, uh, what's not written down is not accomplished or strived for. So uh, I'm a has-been athlete, and so I would write my targets down each year. And so, uh, so if you would, uh, write, write seven people that you're praying for down and just keep it with you so you can think about it and, and process that. So uh, all that being said, I'll, I'll refocus. So going through the Beatitude, or excuse me, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' longest recorded sermon. And uh, what was amazing about it, interesting about it, is he starts with the Beatitudes. But uh, some of the things that were interesting that are different that, that they do that we didn't is that when, when a leader would teach, they would sit down. And all those that were listening would stand up. And so I proposed the first time I preached this that y'all stand up and me sit. But nobody did. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, it goes through the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor uh, in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you verse 13 you are the salt of the earth but if salt has lost its taste how shall its saltiness be restored it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are a light, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, uh, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Verse 17. So 17 uh, through 20 is what I'll be preaching on this morning. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass 
from the law until it until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is big, right? I mean, this is some pretty bold statements. Uh, so Jesus, in the midst of all this uh, and before this, he's got these guys watching him like a hawk, and they're called the Pharisees, right? And the Pharisees, they're watching everything, they, everything that he did, everything that he said, and they're looking for all these loopholes. And, and they just think that he's the worst of the worst. And, and he's preaching this. And now he's standing before the disciples and this crowd of people. And you have to believe that there are Pharisees in the crowd as well. And uh, the people that he confronted the most. And when you look at a Pharisee, uh, they looked perfect. In fact, this morning I was thinking about wearing a, a tie and a coat, but that didn't get very far, did it? Because <laughs> uh, I wanted to demonstrate this, and so this is as far as I got. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, they just looked perfect. They, every detail was perfect. Every, every law, they, they followed to the detail. And you look at these guys and you go, wow, look at them. They are amazing. They're so great. They're so accomplished. And so when we look at this piece of scripture and Jesus says, right from the get-go, I need you to know, I didn't come to abolish this. I didn't come to destroy it. I didn't come to take like an acorn and smash it all to pieces, but I came like an acorn that's planted and grows this beautiful tree. I came to fulfill the law. I came to fulfill it. I'm not, not just to, to, uh, not to destroy it, but to fulfill it. So now when we look at the law and what it is, and so I'm going to go a different direction than maybe you're used to. I want to give three thoughts on what the law is for. So the, the first reason for the law is to distinguish. So God, God uh, had, has this people, Israel. And so he gave them the law to set them apart, right? And so, so what I mean by that, hey, Joe. See, he already knows. I just say his name and here he comes. I, I think I've conditioned you. Uh, <laughs> so, so we look at the law, and, and the Israelites, they're like, okay, so God is our God, and we're going to follow him, we're going to serve him, and so God gives them the law to, to set them apart. Because in the law, they would do life differently than everybody else. And so as they set them apart, everybody would look and go, oh, they're an Israelite. They're different. The way that they live is different. So here's what's so amazing. You can have a seat now, Joe, because I'm going to use you over and over again. Yeah, sit right here. Good. 
Okay, so what's so amazing is that God established his people. He established all people that we would, we would know him and proclaim him, right? And, and so God established this nation so everybody would look and go, oh, that's God's people. That's, that's the one true God's people. They would notice, and when they would notice, they would look up to God. They would consider him. So when we see this, the idea that of the law, it would distinguish them from other people. That they would be noticeably different. And God established this nation that, that all the other nations around them would look at this nation and go, wow, they're different. You see, in the beginning, the Israelites, they didn't have a king. They didn't have a political system. They had something called judges, and they were led by judges, right? The reason why they didn't have a king is because God was their king. And in this way, everybody around them would look and go, wow, they're ruled differently. But at a moment of time, Israelites said, wow, they're ruled differently. We want to be like them. So they asked God to give them a king. And God warned them. He goes, hey, I'm perfect. I'm good. I'm just. But you're going to get a king that's a man, a person. And he's not perfect. He's not just. He doesn't honor me. You know I mean, he may honor me for a while, but, you know, you're going to get taxes, all these other things, right? Like, yeah, that's what we want. We want to look like those guys. But the first purpose of the law was to distinguish the people of God from everybody else. They live differently, and when they live differently, they look to God and point differently. Are you following? So when we look at, like, I need you to hold these. Point them at you. Good job. All right. So when we look at the law and all that it is, it was meant to point to Jesus. <laughs> of course I get a long-haired guy to be Jesus. I was meant to point to Jesus, right, and everything he says. And then when we look to Jesus, we look to God, we place our hope in him. He fulfills all of the law. He fulfills everything that God is trying to accomplish. And you and I is meant, one, the law is meant to distinguish Ezekiel 38, 23 says this. So I will show my greatness and my holiness and make myself known in the eyes of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. So when we see this idea of the law, and Jesus stands up and he's sharing all this after he shares these beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those that, that, that say... I can't, but Jesus can. Blessed are those that mourn, that mourn because of their sin, because they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, power under control. Blessed are, you know, all, all the way through, pure in heart, and peacemakers, and persecuted. This is meant to process, and now we go into this. So, so the first thing is the law is meant to distinguish people from another so that they know that's God's people. That's who serve them. 
And, and, and here, in the midst of all of that, go, wow, God, you're great and mighty. So one was to distinguish, are your arms getting heavy? Your left one is? Oh, yeah, because this is, this is close in. This is, uh, oh, okay, okay. Uh, God, you are amazing. The second thing that the law is meant to do is to create clear boundaries or restraint, right? I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm an amazing driver. Um, and I'm super thankful for the, okay, some people are not believing me, uh, but that's okay. I think I'm great. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so, okay, you can actually, I'll, okay, Joe, you can sit down. Not, not my seat. Good job, Joe. Way to go. Way to go. And the second is, is clear boundaries and cause restraint. And I said that that I'm an amazing driver. It's super helpful for me to have these signs on the side of the road that say speed, what's the other part of it? Limit. Speed suggestion. Speed suggestion, right? Uh, so this is exactly why the law is created. Speed suggestion. <laughs> I like that. Okay, speed, speed limit. So, so with God giving us clear boundaries, it, it's meant to cause restraint. This idea that this is as far as I go is super important. And for some of us, it's even more important. Are you following me? Because some of us have this idea of very clear, these are the rules, I'm going to abide by them. Others of us, have a little bit more of a struggle with. These are the rules. You can't tell me what to do. Uh, I'm going to see how far I can push it, right? And so the goodness and the graciousness of God not only uh, wants to distinguish his people, but also he creates clear boundaries for us so that we can honor him in the midst of this. Are you following me? The third thing is this. Romans 3.20, it says this. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So what that's saying, the third point is this, is that it demonstrates our need for God. So even though the law is meant to distinguish, right, that, that I'm going to live differently, that I'm going to behave differently, even though it's meant to give me clear boundaries, I find, and perhaps you find, that those boundaries, those delineations, are really difficult to pull off on our own. And this is how I would say it. You and I can't be good enough. You and I cannot be moral enough to earn heaven. We can't. We can't. 
And so, so when we look at this, demonstrate our need for God, and, and Romans 3.20, again, it says, For by works of the law, no human being will ever be, will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So what that means is that, that when I see the law, I should be conf- convicted, convicted of my sin, that I'm guilty, I'm, I'm found wanting. Are you following me in this? In this next passage, next week, we'll go deeper into this because Jesus takes it another level. You've heard it say, thou shalt not murder. But I tell you, a person that has anger in their heart towards another, hatred in their heart towards another, is like committing murder. And so he intensifies the law. And what's amazing about this is that he not only intensifies it, but he makes it clear in the scripture that we're studying this morning that he is not only the fulfillment. Let me read this again. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come to abolish them. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until it is accomplished or fulfilled. Therefore, whoever relaxes on one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So when we look at this process and we look at the law, uh, we're going, well, I'm going, okay, so, so if Jesus came to fulfill the law, so why do I need the law, right? Creates boundaries. It shows my, demonstrates my need for God. It, it guides me in how to live for God and how to honor him. But really what it comes down to and what we see in the Pharisees' life is this idea or this mentality that they got into this practice of striving for the law in such a manner, in such a way that they lost sight of the reason for the law or the lawgiver. Does that make sense? Uh, how could I how could I describe this uh, <laughs> Whoa, this is my my wife uh, yeah buddy um, so I have to really focus hard on this you could sit here 
Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Stand up there. This is my favorite. She's my favorite girl in the whole world. I love her so much. Okay, so, uh, so here's what's interesting is, is that we can pursue something so much that we lose sight of the one that we're pursuing, can't we? Right, see, this is my, my wife. I love her to pieces, and I adore her, and, and sometimes she doesn't like me, and sometimes I don't like her, but we love each other, right? But here's, here's the deal. Sometimes in a relationship, you can pursue all the things in the relationship and not pursue the person in the relationship. Are you following me? Like, I can pursue, oh, well, I just want to make sure. Oh, yeah, these cute boots. Going to get them off. Okay. I just want to make sure that it cleans the Debbie really likes them, you know, and, and they're so nice, these boots. I love them. They're so great. Oh, yeah, yep. And I, they're so great. I just, oh, and, and Debbie, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, those are nice. Okay, and I just pursue all the things about her, all the things that, that are around her, but I don't pursue her. And here, here's, here's the deal. From the beginning, God wanted and established that his creation, you and I, would walk in relationship with him. In the midst of that, we broke relationship with God. That breaking is called sin, going against the will, the word, and the way of God, right? That's what sin is. So in that breaking of that relationship, we, we cause this chasm. And so God establishes these laws on how we can live together and walk together in this relationship. How I can live for him and proclaim him with all of my life. Are you following me in this? And so sometimes in relationships <laughs> with people and with God, that we lose sight of what really matters. We get in the habit of doing all these things, all these tasks to try and please this, the person that we are loving or caring for. Whether this is a, a, a marriage relationship or we're just friends, right? We, we, we pursue all the things about it, and we lose sight of what it's really about, the relationship. And the Pharisees were so good and so well-versed at doing all the stuff that everybody would look and go, Oh, that's a Pharisee! They live for God! They're the greatest! They're awesome! They're amazing! And Jesus comes into the picture, and he's saying, Wait a minute! Wait a minute. You're pursuing all the rules, all the rituals, all the traditions, and losing sight of me. The reason the rules, the traditions are there is because I want to know you, and you were designed to know me. And when we get caught up in all the rituals and traditions and things, instead of the giver of all of that... We lose sight of the point. He says, I have not come to abolish the law. So let's look at that deeper. He's not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. He says, everything that you've been looking for, all, all the details that you've been living out, all the things that you pursued, 
They're good, but what's greater is me. I want to know you, and you are designed to know me. Your destiny is in me. I didn't come to destroy that. I came to fulfill it. Everything that you've been working for, everything that you've been striving for, all the morality, all the goodness that you tried to attain is found in me. Was designed to point you and others to me. And here I am. I stand. I stand before you. And tell you all this so that you would know me. And that others would know me because you know me. You following me on this? And so he says, then he ends this statement before he jumps into the, I tell you the truth, you know it. Okay, so before he steps into the next part, he, he says some amazing things. They're overwhelmingly huge. Unless your righteousness exceeds the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow, so righteousness, so righteousness is right standing relationship. And so what that means is that I live for God. I'm in a good standing relationship with God. Righteousness, right? Right, this is right. So it's more than just words. It's more than just outward expression. It's inward. The, the Pharisees at the time were perfect at looking the right way. Thank you, baby. Okay. Uh, looking the right way, but being completely lost. They had the title, they had the degree but didn't know, didn't know God. So how does my righteousness exceed the Pharisees? What do I do? What does that look like? It's all about what I allow God to do in my heart. And when he has my heart, you know what's amazing? Is the outside changes over and over and over again. If Debbie has my heart, then I'm going to live differently because she's my girl and I'm, I'm her man. <laughs> right? The same is with God. If God has our hearts, then the outward stuff is going to change. The difference between the Israel or the Pharisees and what Jesus was leading the people to was a mask. This week was my son's birthday, my seven, now 17-year-old son, our sons, and uh, Noah... 
uh, is super tall, and we're not sure where he gets it. Uh, but, I mean, he's super tall and all this stuff, and just an amazing young man that God's given us. Um, and so in the midst of this, uh, all our kids want to do something special for him, which is really sweet, right? So Rayma makes him a beautiful picture. She's our four-year-old. Emmett makes him a pile of pictures. He's our six-year-old. Lily uh, gives him a spanking and a pinch to grow an inch. She's our 13-year-old. Uh, no, it's just, it's interesting to see how they all do this. And Emmett comes in, he goes, Mom, Dad, do you remember this? Yeah. Why don't you say how it happened? You, I don't even, you were there. But okay. <laughs> I just need to stop talking for a second. He, he was talking to Noah and said, we're going to make this the best day ever. You can... You can dress up like Batman, and I'll be Spider-Man, and then um, we can yeah. build a play. Yeah, and we can play s- superheroes and build a fort. And Emmett, in his head, he was picturing all this stuff, and they wanted to put masks on, and Noah's like, no, 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 no. But here's the thing. Sometimes we do the same thing, that we build this great picture, and then we put masks on, and then we come and spend time with each other. And then we go home, we take the masks off, and we live completely different than what God calls us to. So if we could sum up this, how does my righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? taking your mask off. Quit playing the game. Let God examine your heart. Going back to the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit means that I can't, Jesus can Blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. My sin hurts God's heart. So therefore, I'm sorrowful and apologetic and repentant. So when it all comes down to it, what does your righteousness look like? Is it a mask? Or is it a genuine relationship where you ask God to search your heart? Next thing is this. Maybe you've asked God to search your heart. You have a relationship with him. You know him. But you've gotten caught up in and all the rules and all the process that you've lost sight of God and your heart has gone cold. So this morning, I want to ask you a couple things. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes?
As your head is bowed and your eyes closed, I want to ask you this question. Are you wearing a mask? Does God have your heart? If you are, you say, you know what? I want Jesus to examine and search my heart. I want him to have all of me. If that's you, would you just take this moment and say, Jesus, search me and know me. If there is any wicked way in me, show me. And if he shows you, this is the response of righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees. Jesus, I'm so, so sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Help me not to go that direction again. Please. here and you've gotten stuck in a routine and your heart is cold ask God to change it Jesus we need you we desperately need you give us a fire like never before may we hunger and thirst for righteousness satisfy our souls like your scripture says. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know God yet. And you want to know him. You want to live for him. You want him to give you life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray with you. Thank you. Anybody else? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the courageousness of those that responded. Lord, I pr pray that you would reveal yourself to them over and over and over again. And that they would see you. I pray for the miracle of sight. And that they would hear your voice. Pray for the miracle of hearing. And that you would, you would draw them deep into you, Lord Jesus. That they would walk and live in relationship with you like never before. May they be people of your word. May they be lovers of others. May you change their hearts. In Jesus' name. Wonderful and precious name. Jesus, thank you so much for babies that cry. Amen. Amen. When they cry, we know they're alive. <laughs> Would you stand up and uh, say hey to someone as you leave?
Bless you guys. Thanks for coming. See you Wednesday or next Sunday.